Hi, it's Matheus Calera. I'm the co-creator of Black Science and listening to 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> I'm keeping that. That's a winner. That was fire. Yeah, that's a winner. It it, it it may have cracked a little, but that's fine. We're using it. Street flames, son. I wonder if the people listening at home know the lengths to which we go to capture the woohoos every every episode. Like they're all brand new people. We do not reuse a woohoo. It's just that is not true. We it, probably think we yeah. Some people probably just think it's canned for week, but nah. Gotta have them fresh, fresh and clean like my undies. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> when you wear them, sure. Yeah, seriously. Dude, you sound like my wife. Yes, yes she's, ah! she's like, you're not wearing underwear? I'm like, no. She's like, you're so weird. I'm like, why? I'm like, why would I wear underwear for? And I don't have to. <laughs> well, she ain't wrong, my friend. <laughs> hey, everybody. It depends. <laughs> I'm just saying, if like, you're wearing jeans, maybe. But I mean, if you're just if you're wearing your yeah, loungewear around the wearing, house, no. wearing yoga pants, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. Let it all Good hang out. God. Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 896. And I am Vince B. You, you are Vince B for 896 times. I am David A. Price. That is true. And for the first time ever, I'm Garko the Man Frog. <laughs> I, I, I will let it go. I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's good. Yes. You're not Garko the Man Frog. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here all together to do a special little thing for you. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you who made this possible. CheapGraphicNovels.com. Speak on it. CheapGraphicNovels.com gets you the OGNs, the trade paperbacks, the manga, the massive Omnibu editions at a fraction of what everybody else is charging. Do a little experimentation like Reed Richards. Look at the price of what you want on CheapGraphicNovels.com and then go over to Amazon and check the price there. And I bet my bottom dollar that CheapGraphicNovels.com will be lesser and lower. <laughs> Both of those. So save yourself, wow. some, <laughs> save yourself <laughs> some money. And while you're at it, make sure that you ping Max after you sent the email confirmation for your order. You're going to want to bounce that back to Max with a reply saying, 11 o'clock comics sent me. And Max is going to, yet again, wave that magic wand of savings and tap you on your pretty little nose. And you will get free shipping on your next order. It's insanity. Nobody gives free shipping under, uh, you know, those those ridiculous restrictions. Free shipping under, uh, you know, over $150. Like, what? You're going to get free shipping no matter what you spend. But the idea is to spend big on the second order because you mm -hmm. don't have to spend all the shipping. Ooh. See how it works? CheapGraphicNovels.com. Like an airdrop, like a, like a crate, crate, like parachute it down into your lawn. Yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> We have a little game for you tonight. And it's called, What Are You Drinking? It is. <laughs> I was going to get there. You just didn't allow oh, me to breathe. Okay. okay. Oh. No, the, the breathing uh, is happening to this wine that I got here. What? Like, you're drinking oh, a grape? Yeah, I got And it's got a, a 98 on the bottle, Jason. Wait a second. Like 1998? Or? No. Uh, Mindy Vino Rosso. Uh, and uh, whatever, Luca Maroni. It's got a 98 rating from something. It's called Rosso Bastardo. 
Ah, the the bastard. Indicazione Geographica Typica. It is a uh, Rosso Bastardo Umbria IGT red wine from 2019. Produced and bottled by Alara Vini, Societa Agricola Cyril. I don't know. But it's from Italy, and it's a red wine, and it's 13.5% alcohol by volume, and I like it. But it's got that number that you always look for on the bottle. It's a 98. I, don't think I love it, dude. Well, it all, now, he does. Now, He's a hype beast. To, he goes I'm not trying to blow up your spot. But it's not the right number. No, no, no. I'm saying I don't like like the 98. It depends on who's given the 98. Right? That's what right. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So this it could be like. Is it wine advocate? Is it connoisseur? I think this is Fred Mertz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Never mind. It's good then. It's perfect. Yeah, perfect. yeah. Good old nice. Fred Mertz in his 98. Wow. He rates this wine very highly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know what? We have a very, very fun episode ahead. And so because of that, and honestly because my wife and I had some delicious Thai for dinner, and we cracked open a nice bottle of wine with the dinner. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get a second glass for the show. So I am drinking wine tonight, a nice rarity. Uh, it is it is called it is called Casa Natal. It's their Grand Reserve Malbec. This is the 2019 vintage. And speaking of Mr. James Suckling... There we go. This is, this is what Mr. Sucky Suckling now had to say. A juicy and expressive Malbec that highlights fruit purity and texture, sweet berries, walnuts, and some graphite follow through to a tense, <laughs> medium to full-bodied palate with succulent sweet berries and a long and pure finish. An outstanding, delicious Malbec ready to drink now. Nice. They got a, a, a pack of lovely ladies sharpening pencils into the vat. <laughs> hey, <laughs> never, walnuts. never works. That never works. That's an awesome description. I would love to try that. That sounds yeah. great. Dap, do you hear that sound? What's that sound? That's the sound of Jason's slow slide back into normalcy. <laughs> oh I wish. This is the beginning. Mark, I, I mark think, it down. I don't think he's going to have another <laughs> sip of alcohol until 900. No. Nah, Even then. It's, oh, until 900. That's easy. Yeah, that's easy. Oh, yeah, okay. It, it begins. Well, that's, only, that's only two weeks from now. Stan would say low. Shh, it begins. Down. Or someone uh, would write it and Stan would take credit for it. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I, I, I wish I had wine in the house, but I our dinner did not really pair well with that. So um, I am enjoying a delicious gin and tonic. There you go. What kind nice. of gin? It is the uh, the, the Drum Shambo, um, the, uh, the citrus-infused uh Irish tea gin. It, it's. I was going to try it when we uh, were meeting the guys in, in New York, but they didn't have it on the menu that night, so um, I had to wait till I got home. And I've been enjoying this gin quite a bit. Nice cold gin time again. So oh, yeah. the uh, the game we're about to play for you. Uh, the results have already been tallied, and and, and <laughs> we've already yeah. read we've already read the books. Um, remember the long box roulette? We've done it a couple times. Yeah, remind the people because we speak, we, we speak of these things like they are uh, recurring gags, but like they recur once every like a year, or so. every quarter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, long box roulette is uh, one takes their fingers and traipses across the surface of an open long box and stops, and wherever you stop, you pull out the book, and that's what you bring to the table. Hence the title, long box roulette. You don't know what you're gonna get. 
it's random. And uh, all three of us have uh, let the uh, comic book gods speak for us. And, and like roulette, sometimes that works out in your favor. Nah, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, I think, he, right, I think I'm going to go first because I want to start from the bottom so we can <laughs> ascend to those lofty peaks where the true masters work okay. their visual magic. Before you tell everybody what you picked, though, I know some are probably listening being like, well, wait a minute, I know Woodrow's not opening up a long box and doing that. No, 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 no. So, yeah, but my, my, my version was going into Humble Bundle, my library, which has, like, <laughs> dude, hundreds. Dude, no, many thousands of comics in there. It's ridiculous. And I always forget that I have these, these yeah. digital comics. Because, but anyway, uh, and I did a random number generator on the computer to pick first the title, and then I did another random generator to pick the issue. So that was it was like Cyber, cyber Long Box, the thumbing. Right. Well, um, full disclosure... I did something similar uh, because the first book I pulled was physical and I read it and I loved it and I went to find a digital version of it and it does not exist. Yeah. So it, it was, for those who care, it was uh, Phil Barlow's Zooniverse number one. Oh, wow. From Eclipse. Yeah. And I couldn't find digital anywhere. That um, legit or not. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, so then I, I just opened up um, my digital repository. I scrolled with my eyes closed, and I just clicked. And wherever I clicked, uh, the, the, this folder came up. So I opened it, and I said, oh, fuck. And then I – Yeah, I, was I, say, I hope you don't go to AC this week because – No. And I scrolled, <laughs> I scrolled within the directory, and I clicked, and this was the issue – that the gods bade me read for for long box roulette it is um created by brian michael bendis and michael avon oming with color art by peter pentazis and letters by the great and in this issue very overworked ken bruzenak <laughs> it was it was published under marvel's icon imprint it's powers volume 2 number 13 unlucky number 13 yes um such this is the way my luck goes so um yeah, the, the the book begins with three wonderful pages uh, of an unhinged uh spoken word artist think henry rollins but without the intelligence and he's dazzling the crowd at the cinderella club verbally pummeling the audience because he's managed just this one guy, he's managed to crack the cosmic code and deduce that everyone, everyone lies and that he lives his life, apparently, in truth. Because deep down, he doesn't care what anyone thinks of him. That's the real cool, according to him. Now remember, this is the powers universe, so superpowers are illegal, but the majority tend to look the other way. And this issue showcases a a hero, could be a villain, I'm not really sure, but some entity with, with superpowers creates some very messy collateral damage. Uh, the guy's walking his dog and the, the, the entity slams down into this little sleepy, um, it could be a gated community, who knows, and, uh, and ends up just splattering the dude all over the place and there's one witness and then we get the stand-up guy again uh he's back 
to to rail against lying movie stars and lying rock stars and lying superheroes. But uh, Walker and Pilgrim, they're on the case. They interview Heather Anderson, the witness, a brunette blonde. Figure that out. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. It's so stupid. Oh. Um, she she's the sole witness of this super murder. Um, many words follow. Uh, Dina reveals something about the the moment she lost her uh, virginity that is very eye opening. And and our cuddly protagonists poke around the deceased's home and discover that the deceased may have been a super. And we get more stand up guy peering into the very soul of humanity <laughs> uh to be continued read by someone but not me uh so there you have your your powers um number 13 volume 2 i just found it completely uninteresting on every level um from the visuals like i've seen oming level up a thousandfold on mice templar this is not primetime michael avon oming this is this is training wheels, Michael Avon Oming. And yeah, well, yeah. Um, although it's like thirty issues in the powers by this point. Right. It's, I I kinda I mean, I I read the previously in powers and I so wish you would pick the issue twelve because that sounded way more interesting than the <laughs> issue we read. The, the, you know, you gotta follow the, I, the No no no, listen, hey, no rules are rules. I have yeah. to get it. But I mean and this was I have I think I have the first two I, I had the first the first trade from whenever I think even Pat or pal Pat gave it to me, but stunned. I have, I think I have the first, well, of course I had, I, I think he gives it out to just everybody when he meets you the, um, and I have the first two hardcovers from when they went to icon, but I, I never really dove in. So this was pretty much the first full issue of powers that I've ever read. Oh, I'm wow. So, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, now, okay, I, well, so, so I, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know about you, Vince, because you have, but th- this was, um, this was not the first time I've read this issue. I, I, I read Powers, uh, not, I haven't read any of the new stuff, but I read all of the, the archival stuff uh, years ago when it actually when it moved to Icon and, we, and those hardcovers came out. So I'm, I, this is, this is not, un, this issue was a known commodity to me. Good, nice. Um, I started with Powers uh, when it came out from wherever. Uh, was it Marvel that it came out from first? Oh, it was Image at first. Okay, so I started yeah. with Powers at Image, and for whatever reason, I read it. I I, I don't know why. Um, momentary lapse of judgment. I don't know. But I bought it. I read it. Marty was also reading it. So it was a discussion point. Well, that's when Bendis was the hot up-and-coming. Uh, yeah, he yeah. Tor- he just I, I, on torso and... In this right and like and he, he had uh, what, I can't think of the other one but he did, he did a couple of crime OGNs or series that, oh yeah yeah torso jinx and jinx then, that's and, a jinx yeah. and the, the the um oh the uh the Elliot Ness book but the yeah. um I I I all right so that first this and then I'll I'll ask Vince's question but I I'm sure being a a, a chapter in 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 a larger story this this issue might uh. I'm hoping, I, I would suspect that this issue might have some weight to it or it moves the story along. But out of context, just reading this random issue, I, I, I didn't have much to work with before or really wondered about what came after. Right. Well, that's the magic of the long box roulette. If, if, you, get a, if you get a chapter within uh, an, a, a, an extended narrative and the, the, the writer doesn't do diligence and inform the reader 
any reader. I'm not saying Jim Shooter where every issue is someone's first. But right. it could be, right? Yep. There, there should be Definitely. something within the issue that, in addition to a continuation of the narrative, would give a new reader maybe something on which to chew. Like, and mm-hmm. if, if the if the stand-up dude is Bendis's idea of, of added value, then uh, I think that's a big whiff, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it, it was grating, it was obnoxious, and and yeah. it was unnecessary. But whatever. Um, so this was uh, this was the start of a new arc. I mean, so oh, theor- okay. theoretically, this would have been a quote-unquote good jumping-on point if one were to believe that writers write write arcs for that purpose. But clearly, I think it wasn't. Um, I will also say that that rereading this, number one, Vince, I agree with you about Oming. I I own some Oming art, and I have always like in my mind, I would consider myself an Oming fan. Mm-hmm. But reading this issue, I was shocked at. I had the same view of the art as you did, but then I thought, well, wait a minute, this is like five years into it. Like this isn't new. Like this is an issue. This isn't volume one, issue two. Right. This is volume two, issue thirteen. So I'm like, huh. I'm like, I remember. I remember his art being a little snappier than this. But um, you just take a random issue of Mice Templar. Oh well, and yeah. And put it next to this, sure. and it's like night and day. Like yeah, I, yeah. I really love Mice Templar even more than Ma- Mouse Guard, and uh, it's a favorite. Uh, of mine but wow what a difference mm-hmm. and and not only the the line art but the color is is so garish and it's mm-hmm. oversaturated and it's muddy like the the double page spread where the the guy gets kablooied it's it's embarrassing it's embarrassingly bad yeah, it, yeah. It's, you, just, you can't tell what's going on you really it, can't you have to st- i had to stare at it yeah yeah it, it's it's a mess but and, and the and, sound and, effects and the colors it's just it it's it just doesn't i don't no it's it too dark together it's and, and i don't want to state the obvious but it's 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 obnoxiously overwritten it really is there's there's way too many words well, uh, unnecessarily you, you so this is interesting because because like the because I was thinking, well, we're going to talk about this stinker. Like, what's the what's the hook here? What's the interesting takeaway? And I thought this issue really encapsulated why I was a Bendis fan for a long time and seemingly fell out of love with him. Right. Because when he was bringing this stuff from this and and, and his you know his crime stuff over at Marvel at first, his approach to superhero storytelling was novel, meaning that that. You know, and, and, and it became a, over time, it became a joke, and some people hated it, which is that he had lots of talking head boxes, and, you know, these are supposed to be action comics. And then I read this issue, and I thought, man, you know, when it was novel, and I had never seen, like, the Avengers written that way before, I was like, okay, yeah, this is interesting, like, getting to know the characters better. But then as time went on, I, I got back to the point where I'm like, okay, I've seen this enough, and, like, damn, dude, like, show it, don't tell it. Like, these are comic books. Right. And, I think now, now that Bendis's career is large, well, at least the bulk of his high output, high regarded careers is largely over. Like he's, you know, he's sunsetting into that next phase of his career. I think, like, I'm going to remember him as as a person who overwrote, and depending on the rapper, it worked or it didn't work. But in superheroes, it largely didn't work. Yeah, because Bendis, of that. Bendis will always be the hell guy to me because he used that a lot. The hell, yeah. yep, and yep, yep, and yep. I remember mm-hmm. reading a lot of interviews uh, with the man where he said he likes to speak the dialogue out loud and writes yes. dialogue as if right. it's being spoken, yeah. not as if mm-hmm. it's it's a complete in, uh, sentence, you know? Because he wants it to sound real when you're reading it in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
yeah, um, and it's odd that you remember with that that you mentioned that this issue encapsulates a certain thing because I think the issue that you had to read, I won't say what it is until we get there, but okay, I nice. think that encapsulates another. Okay, yeah, we'll have to thing d- with dive into that. That's endemic to that title, mm-hmm. and it, and and it was fascinating to me that uh, the this is pretty much everything I don't like about Bendis, and then yours was something that is a problem within that series that is beautifully showcased in that issue. So okay, we'll, we'll yeah. get to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to rank this, but it, it was not a pleasant experience. So. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked at how unpleasant it was because A, like I said, I had read this before. It had been a long time. but so And I remember Powers. My memory of Powers is kinder than what I thought this of this issue this time. So I can, I don't know if I reread powers now, what would I think of it? Would I think less of it? Would I not see it in the same vein? I, I don't know maybe, but, but yes, this issue is certainly not evocative of what I like. If someone asked me before reading this issue, Hey, what do you think of power? Should I read it? I would have said, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of yeah. the best things. I, you, I, you know what? It. I would still say it's worth the read because while Bendis is not exactly my cup of tea, I don't think he's a bad writer. I just no, he's don't. Not a bad I don't no, like. No. I don't like his his style per se. But right. he he is very good at what he chooses to do. So yeah, yeah. doesn't work for me. It'll work for you. Uh, hopefully, you just give it a shot. But um, yeah. Uh, well, so this quite big question is this being Dap's first ever issue of Powers. Are you curious to to see another issue or two to see if this if you you know or, or is it like you're you're like I'm good. No, no, no. I mean, I, I still, I, I still have, I still have these hardcovers somewhere in this room. Uh, no, I, yeah, but, but I want to start from the beginning. I, did, yeah, I did. Uh, shit. I mean, it probably, yeah. It, you it, probably it, got them at the wild pig sale we went to. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I do. I, I at least want to read the beginning of it. I, I, I want to see because I do know it was the the talk of the town for for quite a while, um, and I, I. I, I'm a, I would, I, I'm a big fan of his daredevil stuff, um, and that's and and that's where I think he shines is the street level stuff, and and I think he, he probably would have agreed with that ages ago, but, um, you know, and and his Avengers, while I, I I came into it after it started, that, that 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 first run after disassembled and and getting that that team together and and the whole. Ronan Echo thing, and and I enjoyed his first run, but then as uh, after the heroic age and 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 it, he it went on a little too long, so I was I, I I stopped and and walked away from it, and I would come back and check out other things he would do from time to time, but um, I do know that as far as his creator owned stuff and and post same and Twitch that like the powers is what when. At least when we were doing the show way back when, it was uh, the powers and, and of course Bendis were kind of synonymous, so it it, it makes yeah. sense. So yeah, I would like to see at least what what kind of caught Marvel's attention with him and 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 see and and even see the earlier Oming stuff. So yeah, I, I I would like to check it out. I think the the problem with Bendis is that so many of his trademark writing styles were also adopted by other people that's true yeah. and, and yeah. it's like you know the 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 re, quote realistic dialogue and the heroes hanging out 
watching television, just shooting the shit. Like it would be, I think it would be easy to overlook if it was just Bendis because he would be the guy that Mm -hmm. did that. But then Mm -hmm. so many writers around the same time adopted the same things and it just became too much. Like I don't really want to hear real quote realistic dialogue written by every person on the planet mm-hmm. at least at marvel at the time and i and i, I was gonna say okay yeah, the same uh, thing Mar- with the laid-back superheroes like I, no that's not why i'm buying an issue of avengers i'm buying mm-hmm. a, an issue of avengers to watch them kick the crap out of ultron like that's yeah. that's what i'm here for the uh it, it's it, no matter how much i'll I'll praise Bendis for the things that he's written that I do enjoy. Um, there will always be an asterisk next to his name because because of Jinx World, because of the Bendis board. Uh, that's that's primarily I consider it primarily, but that is that is mostly the reason why uh, Nick Spencer has been foisted upon us. Yeah, that's collateral damage, though. He, he can't, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, and, and so the writing mechanism of the heroes just hanging out shooting the shit the majority of those heroes for anyone who has read marvel for any length of time we already know those heroes you can't really say that it's oh they're character building moments they are but we already know peter parker and 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 captain america and wolverine like we know these characters whatever your your whatever words you're, you're you're having come out of their mouths we we know that they're going to say that like it's just I, I think those those bits where they they were revolutionary at the time because it's like oh these are real people with real problems and real concerns we we already knew that but he did it well but then like i said everybody at marvel started doing it it's like oh god stop can we just have an issue of, of just throwing punches please like i know that seems lowbrow but Give me some action or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't, I'm not. I'm not going to demean BMB. He's good at what he does. He's obviously made a, a living writing these things. So who the frig am I? I'm just a commentator. That's it. it my my words mean nothing in, in respect to his success. So there you go. Whoop, idea. Whoop. Who next? Well, you said well, you wanted you, to go in you, order. You, you, you said, were rating it, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that I well, go next. On, yeah, on what scale am I rating it? On a, on a five? You're the one that brought it up, not us. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's rate it on a five scale. Okay? Oh, powers? Yeah, I'll give it a one on a five scale. Man, I mean, because I do, when I keep my journal of comics, I, I grade on a five scale as well. I can't give it a one because... One is like I I give out a few ones a year and it's like pure trash. I'm like, well, right. I can't. Even, so I, I got to give it a two. There you go. Yeah, I'll 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 do that. Yeah, too. Yeah. Based on you know what came before and after, I with my very little knowledge of it. I'll, yeah. I'll Twos are like I'm I'm bummed that I bought this. I don't plan on continuing with it. No, but, you but, can't but, use your knowledge of it. You have to rate it as it stands, as an issue, huh? and as a, as an entity. That yeah, just yeah, said, yeah. So two is yeah. No, I mean considering the the. I, the highlight, the highlight for me was was the letters, and you know, <laughs> so it's not. It, yeah, because Ken was here. I mean, it, it, there you it, go. Ken left his mark. So I mean, I'm happy for it that. Did. I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled with with the coloring of it. I wasn't thrilled with some of the the 
the blonde brunette faux pas. Like, That's I weird. Just, yeah, there, there are things about it that I was just. Uh, I assume so, no. letters letters get paid for an issue, right? Like straight up, like regardless of how many words. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to be Bendis's letterer? No, <laughs> it's well, not I'm a. I'm wondering if Brzezinek, uh, get got. The, got more, more there's money. only one worse job in comics, and that's being Chris Claremont's letter. So, Oof. yeah, yeah, but Tom made it look good, though. Oh, sure, I like Bruce Neck. Yeah, no, where's the cast? Oh, I, I thought on, it was on Claremont. On, 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 oh, yeah. on Claremont. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, let's move on. All right, no, no more of that. Dapstick. So I, uh, I, I, I dug out, moved some. St- Move some piles, move some stacks around so I can get to the long box. Um, thumb through it, ran my fingers across it, and and sure enough, I had no idea because I don't remember where the hell these came from. Uh, there were a few issues of uh, of a certain era of DC, uh, the early '90s DC, and what I picked out of the box was with guest penciler and guest inker. Deathstroke the Terminator, number 10, written by Marv Wolfman, Art Nichols on pencils, George Perez on inks, uh, Gaspar on letters, uh, Tom McCraw is your colorist. Um, Krav McGraw? Yeah, Krav McGraw. They, uh, um, also in this box are some Team Titans issues, which I really wish I landed on. Team, t- so people team. understand what are saying, Team, T-E-A-M. Team, yeah. yes. Yes. Uh, Fall out of the Titans hunt. Let's say about that. The better. So this issue uh, is the first part of an of a new arc um, where we we are pretty much even though she was teased and 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 introduced earlier. Basically, we kind of get a uh, her first full blown uh, issue of introducing the all new. A vigilante and um and she is a uh she's not a disgrace she's she's a she used to be a police officer uh and yeah, in my uh, notes i put i called her a disgraced cop i mean I okay yeah so um so she uh her name is pat she uh she's she lost her husband she lost her partner uh her partner's wife also died basically and and her partner's and her partner's son um, is uh, is is she's worried about him. She's she, she she wants to look out for him, but he's got his own thing going on, and and, and he's, he's 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 young. But uh, this is issue ten, so it, it follows the first couple of missions that uh, that Slade Wilson had uh, had gone on, and and uh, he also th- this is. This is post Titans Hunt, and, and there was a huge, it was a massive uh, traitor within the Titans' midst, and uh, and it was it was pretty shocking for some. Um, there was there was a Are lot. Are we really of, playing coy with a forty five year old spoiler? <laughs> because I'm really really hoping DC will get off their ass and and actually. Omnibus, the damn story. Um, is, is, uh, this, is this Jericho? Are you talking about? Or is this something yes. different? Okay. Yes. So, so, uh, and and Slade had to um, do the unthinkable and kill Joseph and he uh, his own he, son, his own son, uh, which of course he, he Slade now has to go and and tell his ex that uh, what he had done. Uh, but 
something is happening with with Slade's physiology. His uh, his his healing factor isn't isn't really kicking in uh, all that well, all that quickly. Um, which of course is 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 causing Wintergreen some some concern. But uh, Wintergreen, Slade, Pat, they're all in this cabin, um, and and. And Pat really, she wants Slade to train her. She says, "Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go after bad people. I want your help." And and Slade's like, "I'm not, I, I'm not putting you in danger. I've, I've lost people close to me. I'm not doing this to you." And and she's not hearing it. She's like, "This is, I'm, I'm going to do this with or without your help." So um, Slade really kind of just has to do um, what's best for everybody. And he does. And so we get a few pages. We get a training montage, Q Rocky in, in, in Russia. And we get, uh, we, we then cut to Lewis, Pat's partner's son, uh, who's kind of, uh, just fallen in with a bad crowd. And, uh, and, and these, uh, these little neighbor, neighborhood hooligans are a little banger. It's a little, they're breaking windows. They're running into bodegas and 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 stealing groceries and and uh, and making their way back to their hideout, which is you know really well concealed with with this huge hole in the wall that they walk through, and they end up in a in a game room with a busted pool table. Um, and uh, and we get a great great scene of uh, of Slade getting dressed and turning into Deathstroke uh, with, with with a wonderful full page. Of him all decked out, uh, and so he and he and the new vigilante are going to go and uh, do some some reconnaissance. Uh, it's supposed to just be a fact finding mission, but Pat ain't hearing it and um, notices that uh, there's some bad going on in the streets down below. Uh, unfortunately, part of this bad includes Lewis, which she doesn't she doesn't see him, uh, and and Lewis doesn't recognize her in. Uh, it would, we'd, we're wearing these goggles, but we, um, we, things don't really go all that well. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't, doesn't play out the way Pat nor Slade had anticipated. Um, the, uh, the, the bad guys get away. The, uh, the, the good guys, considering one's a vigilante, one's a mercenary, they get away, uh, make it back to this, this, this bugged me out. Cause I'm like, so, so, so Slade left the city carrying her. Exits this 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 building and then just treks. I don't know where exactly this cabin is that he's trekking through the snow. So they, like, he just walked this whole way, and uh, and and they make it there. Uh, they they decide to get a little busy, um, and and then the last page uh, is Lewis and his posse uh, with uh, with with the bigger bosses with with, with some big score planned uh being hinted at and um and we've got uh we're 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 told the next issue concludes this two issue arc uh and and that's that's that stroke number 10 it was a um it it uh i i remember reading it when it came out back in 92 but um it it uh it seemed to have read a little quicker to me this time and i think uh i I think maybe I just wasn't. I was. I was more easily amused way back then. I guess uh, I still. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. I mean, listen, it's still. It's still Deathstroke, so I'm going to find good in it, uh, and it's still Marv and inked by George. So I mean, you've got his co-creators working on it as well. Yeah, I. I, uh, I didn't find it. It was. 
when again when when I when I remember uh, the 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 City of Assassins arc before this and and the opening arc of this series because um, I like I liked Irwin's pencils I like Ibrick's inks and and I, I really enjoyed the Deathstroke series when it started you had those those, those really neat Mike Zek covers um, and this was this was a it wasn't a fill in issue even though the the art team was different but uh it still told the story of of what what was happening with slade what he's going through uh wintergreen caring for him it was um it 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 i i i had fun revisiting this but i am curious to hear what uh what you guys thought well this was my first time reading this mm-hmm. uh first of all okay questions comments I feel like fleece i got questions and comments um <laughs> Comment number one, love the cover. I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, the image of of our new Vigilante, Pat Face, in that is is like Milo Minara level good. It's It reminded me of Minara, like just a classic Minara, you know, live, almost fa- almost like a fashion model pinup of her. I thought it was beautiful. So it, it, it does remind me of, of back in the day when covers meant, meant something. When you look in the stands and be like, oh, should I buy this? I think I would have seen that cover and been like, oh, hell yeah. Um question why does winter green look like look like slade like are they, like i was like are they brothers are they not brothers and then i looked it up on the wikipedias and it said it's his manservant yeah which again is like very much like talk about a term that hasn't hasn't aged well no. but um but it looks like it's his brother he's got the same fucking white hair they're like he's he's jowled, jacked up like he used to be a vigil like a mercenary himself like what what's the deal he was um he he's a uh he he is a former member of uh the armed forces uh from overseas okay. he um i don't i i don't depending on the origin uh who's reckoning what i cuz adeline was um basically kind of like slade's drill sergeant um when he enlisted um i think i think wintergreen was was more or less a liaison uh and and the three of them, Wintergreen, um, Adelaide, and 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 Slade, were a very tight, close knit group. Because mm-hmm. um, because Slade's ex, she suffers no fools. I mean, you know, her 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 son was nearly killed in front of her because of her husband at the time. And 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 she's she, she's hard ass. She's she's a boss. And and uh, so so the three of them can really do damage uh but no wintergreen uh, they just go way way back um i i wintergreen is older than slade so so i i would that's that's where the white hair comes from uh but you're not wrong that, that it's like they, his bellman. they do look like they do look related it's like he made his brother be his bellman <laughs> that's fucked up it's fucked up dude um also reading this in 20 20- 24 parlance versus was written 92 this book would be so different because a wintergreen would have a huge crush on slade uh, there's, there's no such thing as like manservants now like that's not it'd be like his boo that like secretly pines for him and then secondly pat and this woman who happen to all be living together and co-parenting would have been lesbian couple they, would, they wouldn't be like two widows like who would like become like lived like i was like oh it's straight that's straight lesbian vibes like but they just didn't they didn't have the balls to say that in 1992 like all right 
it would be different now. It would be a much, much it makes more sense now. Um, it was like it was like oh, Vince is like he's like oh whatever. Um, how dare you? How dare you? Um, I, I you know I thought though for, in its credit I didn't feel like I needed to have read what came before. Like they 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 intoned everything they needed to right, and this is the era of uh, of expository dialogue and recaps. So. Um, Often my criticism of comics from this era of rereading them is that they're just like too much exposition and too much recapping. So I give them credit because I don't think this overdid it, but I definitely didn't feel lost. Like I got the gist of why, you know, why, how they ended up in that cabin and what, what the stakes were. Um, so I give them credit for that. Um, you know, I thought some of the stuff was kind of hilarious. And again, it's just because it was 92, but like the training scenes were straight out of like Remo Williams. Like, like they're like, in jeans yeah. dude, it was like, so karate kid. Sure, same same vibe. I was just yeah. going for the lower end version of that of that eighties, you know, like and it's like you could hear the rising up. You could just like you could hear like the, the you could hear the, the music as they train, right? Like, <laughs> Deathstroke, they're chasing chickens around. <laughs> like, <That's right. laughs> yeah. um, oh, I like, but, but but it was fun. I mean, it was, but it entertained me. Um, I think that uh, you know the one thing is, of course, like I know she's a cop, so technically she's already, but like the idea that he could like spend like two weeks training her in the woods and that she's ready to be vigilante. And he's like this trained killing machine. That's not, not only gets super strength and healing, but he's also like, you know, an expert in every weapon in hand to hand combat. And he's, she's like holding her own with him. It's like a eh, little sus there. Um, I dug that they did. They got the net did got busy. Not nice to see in 1992. They were already knocking skins and comics. That's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that. But I, I liked it. I mean, again, it was like you know, it was like a like you could have read this issue without any context and thought that vigil her version of vigilante ends up like being a, a character that's around all the time. Like you know what I mean? Like in today's day and age, you could see DC saying, you know, retailers, quick, make sure you triple order because this is the, the announcement of a brand new character. Uh-huh. And and so and I got the vibe that they had. They, I wouldn't have been surprised if I found out that she was a recurring character from then on, you know, on some kind of team book occasionally or like occasionally got a mini series. No, it didn't turn out that way from what I gather. She she re- she rarely reappeared. She did a few times, but never it was never with any consistency. But but uh, yeah, so I, I thought like, I actually I mean, I liked it for what it was. I mean, especially, you know, given when it came out, it's kind of it felt exactly like what I would expect a comic of that era to feel like. Nice. There you go. What about you? Vince? The only thing I enjoyed was was Perez's inks. That's it. I, hmm. I I thought the I thought you liked Deathstroke as a character. Eh, not so much. I mean, he's okay. I don't I don't have a really have a preference either way. But I thought th- if I didn't have to read this for this episode, the first four pages would have killed me. <laughs> I, I would have tapped out. I would have tapped out. Because it's like, let's have a, a two characters sitting on a couch talking about somebody losing a baby or something. And, and you know, the, this character did – this relation did this and then this happened to this character. Like, I don't know any of these people. I don't I don't have a, a history with them. I don't really care. Um, I was I was rewarded towards the end of the issue by a little underboob, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was nice to, to look at, but – Otherwise, I, I, the, the entire issue was a bit of a slog for me. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if, if I have to apply a number to it solely for the on the basis of the cover and George's inks, I'm going to give it a two. 
Oh, well, I guess once again, I'm a point higher than you. I, give, I can definitely give it a three. I, I, this is a totally non-offensive, like right down the middle superhero comic to me. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine to have read it, but it's not something that I would, I would have ever missed if I hadn't. So three. Uh, when it came out, it would have easily gotten a four with no problem. Right. Um, it, it's it, reading it today. Um, it's it's a three. All right. All right. Dapping. I know what's up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, hey, who's the one that they brought you this issue to read, Vince? Right. Well, I have read this before, but uh, yes, no, sure it, it was nice that yeah, you you snagged this. So this is so my issue was, um, and longtime listeners will be very tickled to hear this was Love and Rockets Volume Four, Issue Number Seven which came out in 2019. So pretty, pretty modern, modern love and rockets. Uh, of course, uh, probably don't need to tell y'all, um, the co-creators of this book are Gilbert and Jaime Hernandez. Each do different parts of, they each tell different stories, anthology style, as is typical of love and rockets. Um, I mean, you already said Vince, that you read this, I assume it as it was coming out. Mm-hmm. And it's only a few years ago, so it's not even like something that dig in the crates. And I assume since it was only a few years ago, Dap, you didn't read this until recently. Because, right. Yeah, because we never talk about our Love and Rockets. Um, so, you know, good. it's... Go ahead. I was going to say good luck. <laughs> no, no. So, so I mean, structurally speaking, um, you know, there were effectively four different stories. Um, and like any anthology, I think... Diving into a world like Love and Rockets. This is late stage Love and Rockets. We've had, we've had by this point, what, like 25, 30 years of stories, lots. right? Yeah, lots. Yeah, I mean, at least 25 years by that point. Um, so, you know, I, me not knowing a ton about Love and Rockets to this point, um, it was interesting to sort of like dive in head first. But I will say that um, I knew just enough about some of this Love and Rockets mythos that that I, I like I don't know if I would have gotten as much of this comic if I had no basis for these characters. Like I'd never heard of these characters before. I might have been like, I don't know what I just read. But fortunately I knew enough about like hearing all of y'all talk about L and R over the years and why you love it, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Like I I definitely came away a feeling I didn't feel completely lost. And then I got really lucky because the the um the the Beto story uh, focused on Fritz, you know, and 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 Fritz, we we all read and loved the OGN that they put out a couple years back, uh, featuring her, um, you know. So like I knew about her character like a lot, like more, you know. I did so that was like, oh, this is like this is one of the few Love and Rockets characters that really know her whole story. Um, so there were four stories. Um, the first is Pie May starts us off, and it's a it's a short one. And Maggie and Ray are having sex, or I guess post-coital, uh, to be more accurate. They're laying in bed, sort of all disheveled, clearly having just done the deed. And um, it's just a bunch of thought balloons um, as Ray is sitting there thinking about uh, about what just happened. And he's like, I'm, he's wondering why Maggie was so frisky. He's wondering why why she didn't ask him to take her underwear off while they were effing, you know, why she was so distant. And then the last one that she hits you in a tent, ton of bricks is, but what he really wants to know is why she's so distant, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and he also mentions casually that one of the others was why Maggie and Hopi came home from the reunion separately. Now, again, 
you know, had you never read any Love and Rockets or even heard of the book before, you'd probably read this and be like, it have no meaning to you whatsoever because you wouldn't have any ground to care or know why you should why it should matter that Maggie and Hopi were at a reunion and they came home separately. Like that wouldn't mean anything to you. You'd be like, oh, whatever. Um, no, I had I had no real knowledge of Ray, but certainly you you can't be podcasting about comics and with you you know and in this world for as long as we haven't not have heard of maggie and hopi right like that's right. like you like like read it or not you know that you, you know of you know of them right you know of, and so i was like okay like this is just a tiny little window into a later stage of of maggie hopi and their their ecosystems lives right and that's what i took away from it i thought it was really well done like for a few pages it like it hit like you get what it is where you get him sort of trying to figure out if this is a problem or not and how, how weird the whole situation is. But, but then they just move on. They don't like, that's, it's just a little chapter in an ongoing story and, 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 yeah. and they kind of get in and get out now. It's is actually it, one now? page. Is it just one? Oh, okay, yeah, it's just right. one. Okay. So, so you can see like a lot happens in one page. Yep. Which is incredible. Like that's a, that's a testament to his storytelling. Sure. Yep. Um, Jaime is, we get Jaime again. And this is a much longer story. It's a it's a cosplaying situation, um, and these are characters I was not familiar with. Um, but you're the at the beginning. There's two girls named Tonta and Sanchez, and Sanchez looks like olive oil, which is super weird. Um, which <laughs> She's whatever cosplaying. I just rolled with it. Yeah. Um, but they're talking as Sanchez is talking to Tonta as Tonta is behind in a changing room getting on her costume. And she's talked, Sanchez is, you know, asking her, are you going to come visit me in college? Because they're all about to, so clearly they're all seniors in high school and about to head off to college. And uh, Tonta comes out and she's dressed as a character named Cheetah Torpeda. But I guess she also, she forgot her boots, so she's very upset. Then we come across a bunch of other girls cosplaying as space women from the Peaceful Planet, of which I guess Cheetah Torpeda is also one of them. And, uh, and you know, the girls are varying levels of annoying and the uh, the ring leader is extremely annoying. She's she's got this like long hair, bangs in her face, like bad complexion, braces, and she's she's just bossing the shit out of the other girls. Basically, just being like, "No, you're this character. No, you stand here. No, you're you know." So it it was very annoying. I'm sure by design. Um, and they interact in this environment for a bit, going back and forth, and basically dawns on Tonta that it's not just um, it's not just um, uh, Sanchez leaving for college, but everybody's leaving town for college. And um, and as she's coming to this realization, Gomez actually says goodbye to her, says, I got to go I get to leave early in the morning for my college. So I'm out. I'm deuces and apologize that she's going to miss this Black Widow dinner, which, uh, you know, I guess is, it sounds almost like a, some kind of gala or event or something. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you're like Black Widow dinner. Like, what's up with this? Is, uh, is Natasha Romanoff like going to get pissed? I don't know. But um, and then another chick rolls up named Muñeca, and we find out she's Tanta's sister. La Muñeca. Yeah, Muñeca, and she rolls in to this little grouping. And I don't know. Like at first, I thought they were like a Comic Con or something. But then I'm thinking they like might be at their high school, just cosplaying. Like I don't, I don't quite know where the. I mean, because Beto is not. I mean, Jaime's not much for the for the for the detailed background. So I don't know where they were having all these conversations. But um, Muñeca shows up. Asked for Tonta, I guess she's not there at the moment, says, well, tell my sister I can't go to the Black Widow dinner either. Um, and it turns out that 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 uh, Tonta's mom is known as the Black Widow because she has been accused of killing two of her husbands. And 
long like it goes back and forth like apparently she's got other sisters none of them are planning on going to the dinner um and uh Tonta's feeling some kind of way about all this she's pissed off and she asks her friend Gwen who's another one of the girls that was cosplaying and she's very tall um and i have to say like i i don't want to be critical of them but like Jaime was using some hella like stereotypical like black slang like 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 in this like like it, it was it it read so stereotypical that that I thought like that's not a really great look like it feels a little like a little pantomime to me honestly um the way he had Gwen speak but nevertheless um Gwen agrees to go to the dinner and uh, help out Tanta they go to this dinner they show up at this humongous house it's like 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 Vince's castle in the sky in PA and uh, <laughs> and the mom is there. And and apparently, like, nobody's showing up at the dinner. Like, all the other sisters, she's got a bunch of sisters. All of them are, they all came up with excuses not to come. And so it's just uh, Tanta, Gwen, in their costumes, by the way, um, which the mom takes sort of issue with. Uh, and then the mom, and um, and then they're, right when they're about to start having dinner, the photographer shows up, who was there, I guess, to take family photos. But obviously, there's not need for family photos since most of the family's not there. So the mom's like, well, shit, we got all this food. You sit down, you have dinner. So she jumps in and sits down and eats with them. And it's a super awkward dinner. And the photographer clearly has the thing for Gwen. Like, she's like, oh, you're, you know, you look so good. And I want to take some photos and starts taking photos of her in this house. And the mom's acting weird. And then the mom disappears. And basically, like, the mom, she's, like, manic depressive or something. And she basically, after dinner, like, just walks into her bedroom and goes to bed and, like, doesn't say goodbye or, like, whatever. And, um... And and that's sort of that. And then basically, the photographer takes the photos, calls Gwen the Mighty Storm. <laughs> um, and then Gwen and, and Tanta walk out of the dinner, and um, you know, just have a conversation, kind of re- recapping the whole thing, making fun of each other's names, and that's that. And um, before you move on, yeah, right? it's amazing how differently this hits based on your immersion into pop culture stuff mm-hmm. because the cosplay they're playing the superwoman from Gamera the super monster like that's a real oh, movie it, that it, makes it, sense because the the boy that they're Keiichi was yeah he pretended he was Gamera. he's holding a little yes. Gamera stuffed animal yeah, <laughs> it's so right. stupid but it's <laughs> like if you don't know your your kaiju <laughs> movies like you're not, it's gonna mean nothing to you but it's neat that that Jaime would insert that like and it's a big part of the the early part of the story, where they're okay. all fighting over like I'm this character and you're supposed to be the leader and I'm you're subordinate to me and like we're the superwoman from you know the peaceful planet. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, yeah, clearly as I as you gathered from my description, I had no idea that was a real thing. You probably have never seen it, right? Mm-hmm. It's no big mm-hmm. deal. But mm-hmm. um, it's that's that's a Jaime thing. Like he always puts stuff like that to the the really deep rooted you know fans of whatever he is like if it, whether it's music or, yeah. or you know he he likes to to um so, not so subtly reveal like he's down with it you know mm-hmm. and and the one and you 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 said something about the um the language in it or or the the epithets yeah, the Gwen is, yeah. yeah i i think if i would trust Jaime above most people to be um to have a, a street cred as far as the language goes, you know what I mean? Where if some other writer used it, I would be a little bit of side eye, but the fact mm-hmm. that Jaime's using it, 
there's automatically like a, you know, pass go. You know, keep going around the board. Yeah, because you're high, man. Yeah. Did you did, did you notice the affectation at all? Tap reading it. Uh, no, no, I okay. um, mm. yeah, especially it was just um, the only time it really may have have stood out is uh is okay now you stupid but I mean my my sister yeah. would 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 speak like that so it's not and you know I just I, I grew up around a bunch of Dominicans who would like you know just kind of use shorthand like that and, mm-hmm. and uh, so no it, it it rang true I I didn't okay. uh, I, I didn't think he was, he was but, but even even the most mundane of occurrences in the hands of Jaime Hernandez are a gorgeous thing to witness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. So, uh, and then the the third and chunkiest part of it is the Beto part, Gilbert. Um, and he, it's the only one of the four stories that he did. And um, it's it's as I mentioned. I mean, we the we read Maria M a few years back when it came out, which was the story of Fritz acting in a series of movies in honor of her mother, who was also a a a schlock movie star. And it was very meta. And so I felt very comfortable with this because Fritz is one of the main characters of this story. Um, and this is a much, you know, and, and we've talked about some other Gilbert work over the years. Like, he's the bodier of the two, it seems, right? Like, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's the more over the top, like, yeah. just going to let it rip. And um, and you get that here. I mean, you get the, uh, and again, maybe this means a lot more to someone like Vince or, or, or David or anyone else that's read some Love and Rockets, but... But the the it starts with they're at a concert, a reunion concert, where the actual band Love and Rockets is playing. And it's all three versions. It's Mach one, Mach two, and the final version. Um and you know, there's we're introduced to the lead singer, this fat, disgusting dude, Scott the Hog, and he's up there doing his thing and he keeps rotating in the the other band members. Um and we start meeting other characters who are all taking in the scene, enjoying the concert. There's uh, Guadalupe, who's married to Steve. Uh, and then there's Rex, who is their buddy. And then there's um, this very busty... All, all of those women have humongous breasts. There's this very busty girl named Killer. And it turns out to be uh, Guadalupe's daughter. And... She's there, and then you got Igor, the bass player, and he's he seems like the most normie of the bunch because he comes off stage and says he has to bounce and get home to his wife and kids. He's got a huge dick. Well, we find that out. Yeah, well, you we find see that, that in a previous story. Like, he's got a massive okay. dick. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so we find out that Guadalupe, who's now uh, married to Steve, was originally with Igor because of his big dick. And then now she recently found that Steve has a big dick, too. Right. <laughs> yes. So, she has a tight. She's got a tight. She's a size queen. I so want I'm to in. be Igor. Yeah. Um, um, and, then, and then Fritz shows up, you know, who we, who we know. We're like, oh, Fritz. And um, and the weird thing about her showing up is that it says that she hates punk rock reunions more than comics, but she'll do anything for Scott. Um, so... You know, then you see the lineups and so forth, and then and then it gets weird because Fritz is hammered, and uh, she wants to hook up. So she, uh, you know, after the concert, she says, "Come on, Scott, let's go do this." And they're hanging on the ocean, and she jumps into the ocean, and then she wants to hook up. And she blows. And, him. Uh, yeah, she 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 gives him the the, the beach right there, and he's standing <laughs> with his big old belly hanging out. And she's she's taking it, 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and as they're doing all this, like, Scott acquiesces, but he says, I don't, like, look, just because we're we're doing this, like, doesn't mean we're getting remarried for a third time. So we find that they've, they've been married twice before, yeah. and they're split up now. Um, Fritz, Fritz casually mentions directing Killer, who's her niece, the one that we mentioned earlier, latest music video. Good catch. Yes. And then... And then a character who I wasn't familiar with, Peepo, shows up mm, yeah. and tells Fritz, and she's very militant. Like, I know she's, I know they're all Latinas in this book. They're the Locust characters, right? But, but, uh, but, but Peepo, I guess she's, she is, I mean, she speaks Spanish, I guess, but like, she comes across more like the way she's drawn and acts like, almost like a, like a, like a German, like, like den mother, you know, yeah, like a, know. like real strict and like real buttoned up. And yeah. she's hella pissed. She, she walks in, she sees Fritz on the ground of the, I guess it's Scott's house, like cleaning up some kind of mess. And Scott's passed out on the couch. and Sans underwear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Peepo just shows up to this house and is like telling Fritz to stop cleaning, get off her hands and knees. And Fritz is like, listen, bitch, get the fuck out of my house, right? And uh, and then we like have a total cut scene. Like it's a totally different scene. And it's another concert, but it's not that same concert. Um, and there's a... Uh, a, you know, a punk rock looking chick, like a blonde, like, you know, blonde kind of 80s punk wig. And like, you can just picture, I mean, the book's in black and white, but you can picture like the neon jumpsuit she's wearing, right? With like the, 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 the hot pink glasses, I'm sure. But, um, she's this, this woman is performing on this stage and, um, and all of a sudden this dude Hector rolls up. And he's a reviewer for some kind of, of music magazine at the time. And uh, he's kind of a loser. It's implied he's kind of a loser, but he's there to do the review, and he shows up late. And uh, he, he he shits on the review. He, he gives it a shitty review. And uh, basically also like just another, like, sh- you know, just another cog in, like, the pop culture wheel. Forgettable. Well, what he doesn't know is that the performer that he just gave a shitty review to is none other than his own daughter, the, a.k.a. Killer who was wearing a costume up on stage. So he had no idea. He just gave his daughter a shitty review. Yeah. And, and then where I think the book probably just gets to a point where I'm like, okay, it drags on for a long time from there because the killer killer. She's upset. Obviously that her dad gave her a shitty review and he's tries to make amends. They, they have a talk about it, a confrontation. And then there are just pages after pages of them listing countless songs yeah. that mean something to me to themselves. Right. And it's just, and I mean, that's a slog. It really is. Yeah. Like, yeah. like give me a page of it. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like I get it. But like they gave page after page and it's like, okay, you know, you can just kind of fly through it. And I'm like, all right. And then weirdly people's back in the picture with another woman that looks a lot like her named Corazon. And they confront Scott, the, you know, the hog and basically say, Hey, we want Fritz, you know, tell, if we don't want you to be with Fritz, what you need to do is you need to tell Fritz, um, that, uh, you love her because as soon as you say you love her, she'll want, she won't want to be with you anymore. Yep. Cause Fritz is like this super sexual, like, you know, like, like classic, like she wants what she can't have. And she throws herself in all ways possible, including sexual debauchery at anyone who is hard to get. She's classic. But if you're, if you're actually there for her, she doesn't want anything to do with you. So he promises he will, although not immediately because he's enjoying getting his rocks off. And, and I guess she also gives him free drugs. Um, but finally, he says that he loves her in a scene. And without the next panel is her saying, well, then I want you out of the house immediately. And uh, and then she leaves the house and then Scott dies of a heart attack. Yeah. And the sad thing is, I think he really meant it. 
Yeah, I think so that, too. That's the that's the the, the the blade right there. I think he he said it because he was told to say it. I think, but I think part of it because I mean the history with these characters. I think he really does love her, and she just like see ya. That's it. Yeah. There's two characters that that um, Fritzy really loves, and it's Scott and Peepo. She always what, bounces so what's back the deal with between. Peepo, though? So what is the deal with her? It's just um, it's a, a long running love interest between her and and Fritz. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fun fact: the first appearance of Fritz. Do you know what mm-hmm. uh, what what uh, comic it was in? I'll no, give you a hint. It wasn't Love and Rockets. Oh no, I have no idea. Birdland. Oh yeah, I read Birdland. That, that okay. was the very oh, first nice. appearance of Fritz. Yeah. Oh, so nice. I mean, okay. she has a history of of. Slutted it up hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Maria M. She's she's crazy. Sexual yeah. Well, there's a ton of Fritz books. Yeah. I mean, Birdland is like that's that's pure porn, which it's, I love. It's dirty. my favorite thing I've read of there so far. Yeah, yeah. It's, dirty. it's great. It's dirty. Yeah. And then real quick, um, there's a fourth story. It's by Jaime, but I, honestly, I'm not going to recap it much because I didn't understand a goddamn thing that happened. Well, it's it was, Lumina. Yeah, it's just his. Yeah, it's Lumina and Merlon. There's magic and it's like sci-fi, but like it almost feels more like. 50s movie sci-fi where like they're dressed a certain way but do they like I, I didn't know if it was like again like some kind of elaborate cosplayer and someone's imagination right. or like yeah. so I didn't get it I like I didn't I was like well you know that like their books seem so realistic to me and then it's like this book this is like about like fantasy so I didn't quite know what I was getting at so I and it was pretty short so I didn't, I didn't yeah, really well, you go back to the the early love and rockets and it was there was a lot of fantasy in it with okay. the, you know with them and the, the bug-eyed monster and all oh, that okay, stuff and okay. yeah they 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 started off like this issue, and then they sagged into Locas and Palomar, and then mm-hmm. over the course of the series, they try different things. And this is Jaime trying something new with, okay. with Lumina. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, but, but all in all, I mean, I thought it was excellent, and there was a tremendous amount of story for 34 pages or whatever yeah. it was. Like, it's, it's insane to think how much story they cram into this issue and like how decompressed so many comics are right. right like it's 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 quite quite it was quite reassuring or quite endearing well the know? thing that I, I i hinted at back when we were talking about um the powers was that this issue of loving rockets you having read this blind mm-hmm. it's it's a really great illustration of how impenetrable the series is for those who haven't read any of it Right, not so much the Jaime story. Like Tonta, I think is his bid to lure in new readers because there's not a whole lot of Tonta stories. Whereas mm-hmm. Maggie, there's a shit ton of total of stories. Right, so to understand that first page with Maggie and Ray, you got to read a whole lot of stuff. Right, but the the Tonta stuff that's relatively new. So you you yeah. I think that resonated with you the most out of all the stories because it was pretty easy to understand, right? Mm-hmm. But then you get to the Gilbert story, where there's a shit ton of luck, Love and Rockets history that would be lost on anyone who has not read, uh, you know, a stitch of Love and Rockets. It's yeah, like, like I said, I mean, the fact that I have read multiple Fritz stories before was huge in this because otherwise, I mean, like I have no idea what talks about because especially right. because he draws a lot of the women to look identical or close to identical. Well, they're all they're all related to Luba, right? No, so Luba's got all, huge tits. Yeah, and but I'm saying, but he, he doesn't give them different hair colors or different no, styles. Like they no. all have long black hair with gigantic, the same gigantic boobs. So it is it is hard, other than by the word balloon telling you who's who. Right. 
if he didn't tell you and he sometimes doesn't you yeah. wouldn't you would just you'd be totally lost and that's i yeah. think i think that's the jaime more than gilbert tries to do new things and try to get new readers into it and i don't want to say gilbert's a slouch because he has done new things but he's he is so enamored with fritz like he keeps focusing on fritz whether it's those individual um you know the the b movie novels that he's been producing there's a ton of them or or whether it's like this like this reunion with with scott like hector's an asshole but you know and he tells you that hector's uh uh doralis or, or killer's dad Right. So you know who he is, but you don't really know what's happened in the past. Right. It doesn't right. have that gravitas that it would if you read like 10, 20 years of Love and Rockets. But sure. There yeah. you go. And it's, it, I think Jaime has his eye on the future where Gilbert's just happy to do what he does. But he's, I will like, say, say fuck it. I'm Gilbert Hernandez. I do whatever I do. Considering how far along in the Love and Rockets mythos this was. While it certainly required effort, like this is not something I could have just like skimmed to read because, you oh, know, I always, no. um, but I, again, I think, and I, and I wasn't coming completely blind, especially with the, with the Beto stuff, but, but I, I thought it was really well executed and, yeah. and it, it definitely spe- I think it's a very, I would imagine it's a fairly representative issue of why they're both brothers Hernandez, right? Like they, like it's, it's an extremely well crafted issue. Even if I'm, you know, may, may not have gotten as much from the stories as some others would have. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a good example of what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's little, it's a little thin on the Maggie, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. One page, like you said, but yeah. yeah. Dap, what do you think that? Hmm. I liked it a lot. I, I hadn't read this issue. Um, I haven't read a ton of Logan Rocket, sadly, but um, I, as far as an anthology, getting the gist of, I, I, I recognized some of the players, not everybody, um, but I, I enjoyed the, I, I, what I like about what the brothers do um, is that they just really, it, it, even things that might be mundane, like a comic convention or listening overhearing conversations at a party I, I it it's i appreciate their storytelling and and how they how they present the stories and how they get you interested in the characters it it's a uh, and, and and especially since there's so many characters um what they do they do really really well i uh i i can't i yeah i i uh as far as a glimpse of the more recent Love and Rocket stuff, I, I, I enjoyed this issue a lot. Nice. Right. And Jeez. I love, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I love the covers, the front and the back, because of course they're in color, and I would never really, because the book, the interiors are black and white, um, it's really interesting to see the complexions and the skin colors of some of the characters it's like because the they're all the same <laughs> yeah. on the inside. Uh, but obviously they vary uh, when, yeah. when, when shown in color in real life. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And your rating mine. Yeah. A five. <laughs> I'm stunned. Yeah. Stunned. I know. <laughs> yeah. I think if I, 
had come at the if this was if I had had a more of a, a, a larger base, it'd be a five. I mean, I think it was really well executed. So I, so I don't I don't necessarily think it's not deserving of a five, but just in terms of like my own scale, I'd have to give it a four just because I didn't feel connected to some of it like I probably would have if I read it. It's definitely not new reader friendly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is which is why it gets a four for me. But the arts is banging, and again, like the the, the their craft is like unimpeachable you know what i mean like yep the art is banging the characters are banging it's yep. it's, it's a good time yep, yep totally totally so there you go another round of long roulette. box roulette that's fun it's so much fun to do that um we'll pick it up in about six months we'll do it again all right nice. <laughs> the way things go around here yeah it's gonna be about six months <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here once again. We implore you to go to CheapGraphicNovels.com. If you want to save money, who doesn't these days? Go to CheapGraphicNovels.com because they will stretch. You ever see those rubber dollars where you can stretch them and it's fun and it gets all distorted? They can stretch your comic book dollar way more than other places. OGNs, graphic novels, TPBs, uh, manga, they got it all, and it's at drastically reduced prices. Email. Receive it. Reply to it. 11 o'clock comics sent us. You'll get free shipping on your next order. And check out our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We've retooled it, as you all know. $5 gets you a bonus book of the month episode each and every month. $10 gets you the bonus book a month. And access to the Slack. So all that stuff that was on the Patreon main page, the downloads of original fanzines, the page a day, the cover a day, the the um the team ups the freaking EOC loves that's a new feature EOC loves somebody and it's usually an artist well we've only done two so far and the first one was Alan Davis the second one is Herb Trimpey and we love them so we devoted an entire month and you get a picture an image of a Herb Trimpey drawn something I don't want to tip my my hand each and every day. Plus all that other stuff. You get audio, you get camaraderie with all of like-minded individuals that talk comics and movies and TV shows and, and books. We have a book club within the Slack. You can join the EOC book club and then they meet on, I think it's Zoom or, or mm-hmm. Google yeah, groups. Yeah, monthly Zooms. Yeah, they have monthly Zoom meetings. Full where they disclosure, just, the three of us are not a part of the active part of it. I, got, I, I want to, but I don't got the time for that. Same, same. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, they've read so, like they have literally read and discussed, I think at this point, all but one of my top five favorite books of all time. They didn't do Moby Dick? No, they did do Moby Dick. They haven't oh, done really? Hitchhikers. They haven't done Hitchhikers. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So yes, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In your travels, Vince going to get a little dirty. Ooh. Yes. I want you to read. Now, it's a cumbersome title, so bear with me. I want you to read The White Mage Doesn't Want to Raise the Hero's Level. Okay. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Uh, There's a trend with manga where they have these impenetrably long titles and ponderously long titles. Uh, I I like it, but in this setting, not so much, right? Because I have to repeat it. The White Mage Doesn't Want to Raise the Hero's Level. Why? Well, I'll tell you. Words and Images by Kiri... K-I-R-I-E. It's published by Seven Seas. It's a real simple setup. You have a white mage named Sheena, and she's level 20. Tall, shapely blonde, with pendulous breasts. 
gigantic breasts, right? Uh, she developed uh, her physique early in her young life. She's very top-heavy. In comes Irie Izume. He's a hero, and he's level one. He is summoned to the realm to destroy the demon lord. See, heroes in this realm are highly regarded because they're transmigrators. They come from somewhere else in order to fight the demon lord. And Eerie arrives from elsewhere. He's probably from our world or something very much like it because there's not monsters running around where he comes from. So the, the, the sea change when he enters this realm is, is it knocks him on his ass a little bit. But the heroes are seen as symbols of hope. So much so that there are laws in play to aid and protect them. You just can't do whatever you want to a hero because there are, there are, there are safeguards. We need to protect these people because they are going to eventually take down the demon lord, right? Problem is that Shima fell in love with Irie on first sight. She just, he's a, he's a little stitch of a man, little thin, little boy, boy man. He's a skinny little thing. And, and the thing is, the title, what ties into the title is she's totally enamored with him. And she does not want him to level up because if he does, he will defeat the demon lord and leave her. So what does she do? She wears this ridiculously skimpy costume. It's just two strips that cover her boobs and her lower quadrant is pretty much exposed with, with underwear. And she throws herself at him at every opportunity to distract him from leveling up. Like, um, uh, Eerie's, he, he can't even handle low level monsters like a slime or a dungeon dog. And when they do get in a position where they're fighting, um, creatures, Shima will take them out. So as not to give, uh, Eerie the, the, uh, XP. Um, if you like cheesecake, and who doesn't like cheesecake? This book is all. 100% cheesecake. It's a beautiful blonde with giant boobs displaying herself in a variety of skimpy outfits. And then other women come in and they notice that Erie's um, really cute and they throw themselves at him and they all have, well, some, most of them have really ample breasts. It's, it's all cheesecake. There's, there's maybe one or two pages of of um bare breasts but for the most part it's peekaboo the, they're, they're selling the sizzle and not the snake and i love that i really love the old burlesque where what you see is far more enticing than what you actually do uh it's beautifully drawn um the uh um kiri is extremely versatile with the human form both male and female it, it's gorgeous to look at but it, there's not a, a lot of heavy lifting right if you love dungeons and dragons you love the whole role-playing game format where you know xp and leveling up and, and and all that stuff and you love fantasy and you love beautiful women you're really gonna love this best thing about it from my research there's only four volumes in total so it's a very small commitment. If you, you had me at four volumes. Yeah, if you want to get in this, very small. Uh, did I say it's from Seven Seas? I think yes. I did. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it is gorgeous. Um, one drawback. 
I've read this online before Seven Seas acquired the license to it, and there are chapter breaks that were originally rendered in color, and in this Tankobon, they are in black and white. I guess it's a small price to pay because it was only fourteen ninety nine for like say two hundred pages, but I would have liked to see like the, they do the introductory chapter in color, but every other chapter that's uh, pre- that succeeds it is in black and white, and I would have really liked to see those in color. But other than that, I mean, this is really perfect for me. It's it's total fan service, total cheesecake action, beautiful blonde. Um, it's 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 very erotic, but it's not explicit. It does have a, a parental advisory on it saying that it's explicit, and I guess the couple of panels of nipples achieve that rating, I guess. But um, I also noticed that in the original scans that I read, the um, the scenes with the nipples were more obscured than they are in this book, so there may have been some reworking of the art from the interesting from, yeah from the original publication to this or maybe the the the, the fan scans uh, the fan translated uh, online stuff obscure I don't know why they would but there there's maybe about six nipples in this thing uh, so I mean it's not gratuitous but it is because it's all cheesecake so read it the white mage doesn't want to raise the hero's level volume one of four. Seven Seas, I, 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 I'm lowbrow at times. I love it. It's like, yeah, I'm done. You got me. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. A bit, I mean, a, she's gorgeous, too. Shima's gorgeous. And she's a little thick on the bottom. Well, she's, I wouldn't say she's Zaftig, but she's hero, she's heroically proportioned, but her breasts are gigantic. Not uh, not obscenely gigantic, but they're large. Like Power Girl gigantic? Or yeah, like? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not not grotesquely. More more Power Girl than than Fritz. Oh, nowhere near. Yeah, Fritz, Fritz is a mess. Yeah, she's a, <laughs> she yeah. Is, yes. Well, Doralis or Killer's uh, breasts are even bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Luba, and then everyone that followed in her genetic wake. <laughs> the rest just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, bigger booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna see if the shop has it next time I'm there. It's very good. It's fun, um, oh. but it, I think it has a moonlighting uh, trap door where if the two of them, because he he spurns her advances at every opportunity. Stop it! Stop touching me! Why are you pressing your breasts against me? I can't look at you. you, you you're too sexy. Um, at at some point they're either going to get together, and the series is going to end, or they're going to split. There's no, they can't get together and have and perpetuate the series. It just won't work because the whole right. conceit is that he keeps pushing her away, and she just loves the hell out of him. But he loves her too, but he doesn't want to doesn't want to give into it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like it. Uh, in your travels, um, the the plot thickens, and we are getting some answers uh, in Wesley Dodd's The Sandman, fourth issue, written by Robert Venditti, art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Plencia, and um, 
yeah, we have the aftermath of Wesley's interaction with the fog, the, the, the person that stole his journal, his gas mask, his gases. Um, and, uh, while fighting off the effects of, of his poison, he's, um, there's a couple of double page spreads, a few, uh, where he is, uh, thinking about things past, present, and future. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful, beautifully done by Riley. That of course doesn't need to be said, but then of course he comes to, uh, with Diane, um, basically playing nursemaid and, um, he's, uh, he's been out for a couple of days and, uh, he's trying to mull over, um, trying to piece things together, put the, uh, figure out this mystery of, of who, who did what, why was this person a patsy? Is who, who's the mastermind behind it all. And he does come up with a suspect. Um, and he is, uh, he's, he thinks he knows who it is. Uh, turns out it's not necessarily that person. Uh, but when he goes to confront that person, there's a, uh, there's, there's a, um, an interaction going on that, uh, luckily Wesley arrives in time to, um, put a stop to it. Unfortunately, um, the way that interaction ends, he, uh, he doesn't have many more answers to any of his questions, but it does kind of allow him to hone in on one person in particular that he thinks may be behind it all. And, um, and I think, uh, as, as we near the end of this six issue miniseries, um, Sandman is going to have to, um, get his hands dirty and maybe do things that he didn't really, uh, plan on doing ever let alone um when it comes to getting the bottom getting to the bottom of this mystery uh still looks great still a lot of fun it was a it was a a issue feels like it went by pretty quick only because of everything that uh of of how fast wesley was He, he he was definitely in uh this meant some fight or flight mode with him but but he's watching him trying to figure out who all the players are and what's going on uh, was, was really well done. So it, it moves at a quick clip because it, it's the way it's intended to. Plus the the three or so double page spreads um, helped kind of, I mean, there's a lot to take in. You don't, you, you don't look at Riley's double page spreads and just be like, okay, yeah, turn the page. It, it there's, there's, he packs them. So uh, you can spend some time there before moving on to uh, the more heavier, wordier panels. But uh, this is, um, this is going to make a pretty neat collection. Uh, I feel it's still my favorite of the, uh, of the golden age books that, that, uh, that I've read from DC during this new iteration. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, highly recommend it. If you've been on the fence at this point, you might as well just wait for the collection. I didn't, I haven't checked the, the latest DC connect, so I don't know if it's, if it's out there yet, but, um, I'm sure it will be soon, and and uh, knowing DC, they'll probably do a slipcase with all the all the Golden Age books. But yeah, uh, in your travels, Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. Ross Mo continues to kill it. It does indeed, man. The beast. I can't imagine what these double page spreads would be going for on Felix's site. 
I mean, well, that that's if they even made it to Felix's side. I can't imagine I mean, what they're yeah. going for when they went. Yeah, I can look it up for you after the show. Um, sometimes, you know, Vince, you can relate to this. Your kids are grown. You know, I always thought that one of the impo- most important things about being a parent is making sure you acknowledge when you're that you're fallible, right? So when you make a mistake, yes, remind them and explain to them unequivocally that you made the mistake because that's how they learn that it's okay to admit when you're wrong. And I was wrong. I was wrong because. I know I made fun of this book. I think on one of my previous videos, I said, what is this book? Why does this book exist? Who's it for? I don't understand it. You're at Spawn? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) But I was wrong. This book is for me. It's for a lot of people. It's going to be shocking. But I read the first three issues of the new Spider-Boy comic. (laughs) And I think it's delightful. Now, listen, I listen. I get it. This is probably not up your alley, but this is written by Dan Slott, art by Jorge Molina, and I have to credit John Dudley, longtime listener of the show, because he he popped into one of the Facebook group conversations about stuff that people were reading, and said, "Would I listen to the recent episode where you were talking about, you know?" Uh, are there new readers and like, is it really make sense for the direct market to make these books that are theoretically to bring in young readers when, when how the young readers are going to know that they exist. He's like, well, I can tell you that uh, I hadn't been reading much Marvel in a while, but um, I took my kids to the comic shop and they liked the cover of spider boy number one. And we bought it and now it's their favorite thing. And we read, we've read all three issues and it's wonderful and I think it's, you know, and I'm like, hey, interesting, because I think John's like a good taste. You know, we've known him for a long time. I'm like, okay. So long story short, I think it's terrific. It's it, The premise is um, Bailey Briggs is the titular Spider Boy. He is a 10-year-old boy in the MC in the Marvel Universe. The the crux of it is that there was an event, which I didn't read, involving Madam Web and, like, the, the Spider Web and all the different cross-realities. And allegedly, Bailey Briggs was... Peter Parker's sidekick, aka like his his Robin Hood's Batman, for years in the in the main six one six, but because of this Madam Web event that broke up the web stream and basically got rid of a lot of the the the, the characters, he was basically blanked out of existence, like retconned out. So nobody remembers that Bailey was Peter Parker's sidekick, except Bailey remembers, but nobody else does. And so that's the conceit. And he is, um, he's not just, he wasn't bitten by a spider. He was um, effectively uh, crossbred with a spider uh, by this woman named Madame Monstrosity, who's essentially a female Dr. Moreau. She captures uh, uh, foster kids and orphans and does horrible experiments and, and grafts them with, with different species affectations and uh you know is a pretty horrible person and she like she makes a she she you know crosses like a a, a a duck and a cow and like there's all this you know she does all these crazy things um and she imbued bailey with a spider and he has uh all, a lot of the same abilities that that peter has but he um he you know he's very he looks like a beast when he uses his powers he's got fangs and eight eyes and you know he's, he's kind of grotesque but but uh, it, the story was was a nice mix, which you would expect from a good Spider-Man book of 
like Bailey Briggs and his and learning about his life and his travails, and then him in costume. Uh, Peter Parker's in in the book pretty much throughout um, as they fight stuff, and I just thought it was great. I thought the art looked great. Molina's very competent, I think, especially in a book like this. It was well paced. I could totally see why little kids would totally love this. It's it's an all ages book, so I'm here for it, man. So apologies to Marvel. Apologies for throwing the shade about something What's I hadn't read. Happening? No, listen. I... There's listen. It's one thing to, to to give shade to something you've read and you don't like it, but I know I I've admonished. I've admonished people over the years for this, and I I end up being guilty of it too. Sometimes we're like, you just admonish something without having read it because you're like, this is stupid, and and like the same again, right? Same thing, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> this no, I'm saying, but like same idea. I'm like, uh, maybe some of the symbiote stuff is well done. I mean, I, I just it, no, it is yeah. well done. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> now I'm more I'm more willing to try this based on your recommendation. Like not not fifty percent more willing, but I would say. <laughs> I would say 30%. Yeah. Right, right. Have you heard who's going to play Madam Webb in, I don't know if it's a movie or if it's a TV it's, show. It is it's a movie. Gonna it's going to be one of the biggest, yeah, yeah, biggest busts of the year. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a shit show. Sydney, yeah, Sydney Sweeney. No, she's in the movie. No, but, she's in but the movie. Madam Webb is, is uh, Don Johnson's kid. Oh, Sydney Sweeney's not Madam Webb? No. Oh, no, I'm out. The I'm women. out. I'm out. I thought Sydney Sweeney was going to be the, because I love Sydney Sweeney. Like, shut up. Well, she's in it, so you should still check it out, then. Yeah, no. I want to see her oh in, the, in the costume. Well, I think you'll see her in a Spider-Woman costume. One of the spider Like, I think, based on the trailer, it looks like we get, we, we get like, the um, the Secret Wars version of Spider-Woman. We get the Jessica Drew kind of looking Spider-Woman. I don't... Yeah. It's it just... it And it and I think the, the, the big bad is... is um, oh, man. Not, not Ezekiel, but one of the dudes from one of the lesser spider-man arcs but it oh. just yeah i'm not it, it's it's i don't i mean i'm not saying I, i'm gonna wait for it to get to tubi but i'm definitely if i ever catch it it's it's going to be yeah, right sydney, right sydney sweeney plays julia cornwall who's one of the spider women celeste o'connor plays maddie franklin uh isabel merced plays aranya and yeah, Tahar Rahim is Ezekiel Sims, who's the main. Nice. That's, yeah, it is Ezekiel. Because yeah. I've never seen the show, but I've seen the the pertinent clips of Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria. She's flawless. She's absolutely flawless. I don't care if she can act; it does not mean a damn to me. That woman is flawless. It's interesting because um, I was listening to this podcast about the next big Hollywood it people. And one of the two people on the show was trying to say that Sydney Sweeney's uh, participation in Madame Webb knocks her back from the pack. Of, oh. of the and then the other guy was like, nah, that's not true because she's not the star. Right. You know, if she was the star, it'd be a problem, but it's fine. She's she's fine. So, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, Dakota Johnson is Madame Webb. And I got to say, um, Dakota Johnson, she now I haven't seen this movie, so maybe she's on point with this movie. But but she I do not understand how she's a. Like I think she is actually leaden, like emotionless with her performances. I mean, Agreed. she she made Fifty Shades of Grey boring. Like how yeah. possible? How like, that, yeah, how does that like, happen? Supposed to be about super. Like those books literally got half of the American Housewives to be freaks. <laughs> like like how do you make those movies boring? I don't understand it. It's crazy. Well, we'll ponder that thought because we're going to be back real <laughs> soon, as in a couple days. So thank you for being here. Get your sales to a comic book shop. Buy some comics. Talk about them online. Come to the Facebook group. 
If you want to see any images from the things we talked about this episode, go to 11oclockcomics.com. There's an episode thread 8... What is this one? 896. You click on that and you'll see all the images of stuff we talked about. Um, Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. I'm going to shut up because we love you so much and do your thing. Do it right now and say goodnight. David. For those of you playing at home, that's a triceratops banging against a wine bottle. Good night. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of the anti red hot chili peppers love on the or hate on the. Bro, you just gotta get over it. Like, what? I'm done. No, I'm done. You like, but what about the things that you kind of like poo poo that other people love? That doesn't matter. It's me. Ah. I don't poo poo much. I don't. much. I, I don't poop much. But I know I love you. I do love everyone. We are so out of here. It's like a glee club. Don't hate. This is me singing Red Hot. Give it away, give it away, give it away. No. No, seriously. You're down on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I got some issue with that. No, I like the Chili Peppers. I, I know, know you do. Our, I know you do. Slackers don't, though. That's what I'm saying. And I'm good. we're going to have a rough time in Charlotte. If they start with that shit, <laughs> you're telling you're saying you're telling Flip and Ray they need to run it high. I, I'm looking at I you, think you're Ray. Telling Ray and Asia, yeah. Asia too. Yeah, it's like yeah. cut the shit. <laughs> I don't poop on your crap. Where's I sitting? I said, dude. That's it for that one. <laughs> <laughs>